Thank you for tuning in to the podcast of Western Heights Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. We exist to exalt Christ, equip the church, and engage the community. For more info, visit whbcwaco.org. How many of you like to talk? Look, you're lying, every one of you. Come on, man. You know, you love to talk. I've hung around some of you. You like to, we like to have words. I see you back here. We like to talk. We like to be heard. Matter of fact, it seems like we have a plethora of people in the world today that want to be heard. We have talk shows about every subject they want to do. They have talk shows on the internet, talk shows on, on television, talk shows on the radio. People want to be heard. They want people to listen to them. And some of us have the ability to say the wrong thing at the wrong time. We are those individuals that are born with a silver foot in our mouth. Uh, if, if we open our mouth, we will probably say something wrong. And because of that, our mouth, our tongue, gets us in a lot of trouble. James has a lot to say about the tongue. Matter of fact, James speaks more about the tongue than any other writer of the New Testament. Uh, so it must have been important in this time. In every chapter of the book of James, and, and the uh, in the book of James, he says something about the tongue. So we're going to be looking at James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. And as you know, we've been going systematically through the book of James under the heading Practical Christianity. That's why we have the picture of the nuts and bolts. If you want to know about Christian life, James is the nuts and bolts. It tells you how to live your life. It tells you how to behave. It tells you how to put your faith into action. It's practical Christianity. So we're going to look at James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12, under the heading, How to Manage Your Mouth. How many of you have a mouth? Look at that, every one of us. All right, so I'm going to tell you today how to manage your mouth, okay? Uh, this is for me too, but y'all remember, okay? I've already dealt with this in my office, okay? So what I'm presenting today, God's already dealt with me. Now we're here to deal with you, okay? So uh, you follow along in James chapter 3 as you read this, all right? James writes, Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire. A world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Now James starts off with a warning. He says, not many of you should presume to be a teacher. Uh, he's talking about pastors, he's talking about teachers, but let's just be honest. If you know something about something and somebody else doesn't, you can teach that person. 
So all of us are teachers in some way. So James says, don't just step up and say, I want to be a teacher. Because he makes this remark. He said, those who teach will be judged more strictly. I've always said a pastor will be judged twice. We will be judged by the way we lived our Christian life. And hear me on this, my dear friends. We will be judged by the way we led the church. The pastor will be judged by the way he's led the church. You will be judged by the way you followed. So the pastor will be judged doubly. Those who teach, he says, they will be judged more strictly. So words have power. And words can be used for good or they can be used for bad. So we, we better be careful in what we say. But notice what James says. Okay, you're a teacher. But then he says, hey, look, everyone stumbles. Everyone makes mistakes. There's no one who is perfect. He talks about the perfect man. He said if he's perfect, he'd be able to control his tongue, and then he'd be able to control the rest of his body as well. It's a hyperbole. It's an exaggeration to make a point. He's saying nobody can do it. Uh, only God can control the tongue. It's impossible. He said, so since it's impossible to control your tongue, James said, let me tell you about the danger. Let me tell you about the problem you have with the tongue. And he's going to give us two things in here. He's on first going to tell us why we must watch what we say. Why must I watch what I say? And James is going to tell us why. He's going to say it's significant how we use our tongue. He gives us three reasons uh, why we should watch what we say. And then he gives us six illustrations, two illustrations for each reason. So this is what James says. The first thing we see is that my tongue directs where I go. My tongue directs where I go. My tongue has influence and control over my life. Where are you headed in your life? Where do you want to be 10 years from now? Where do you want to be 20 years from now? Uh, James says the tongue has the ability to direct your path. He says, look at your conversation. What do you talk about? What is it that directs your talk? What do you spend most of your time talking about? James says we shape our words and then our words shape us. It determines where you go. It directs where you go. James says the tongue, it's small. It seems to be insignificant, but he said it is powerful. It is a powerful tool for good or a powerful tool for bad. Look at what he says in verse 3. He said, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Stop and think about it this way. A horse race weighs two to 3,000 pounds, but we can put a 95-pound jockey on the back of that horse and put a small bit in that horse's mouth, and he can control where that horse goes and where it turns. 95 pounds, and he can control a 2,000 or 3,000 pound horse. James has said the tongue is the same way. A little bitty word or a phrase can influence the total direction of your life, which way you want to go. He says not only do we, should we consider the horse, he said, but also look at a ship. He says that, in that he said, or take ships as an example in verse 4. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Steered. Circle that word steered. They're controlled by the rudder. Take the uh, USS Harry S. Truman. Harry S. Truman is a, is a, guided, is a, is a uh, nuclear uh, aircraft carrier, uh, one of the, the latest classes. It is 1,092 feet long. It's 257 wide. It's over 24 stories tall. It can carry up to 80 aircraft on its plane. And its air, the, uh, the flight deck is 4.5 acres large. It is massive. 
But, he says, in spite of how big it is, it's controlled by a rudder. It may be nuclear power that will push it through the water, but that rudder determines the direction it wants to go. And James says the same way about our personal lives. Our tongue, though it is small, it controls the direction of your life, whichever way you want to go. The tongue directs it. The tongue is the steering wheel. The tongue is the guidance systems. If you don't like the way you were headed, James will say, then change the way you talk. Now, some people will say, well, if the tongue is so powerful, maybe the best thing is just don't say anything at all. Just shut up and not say anything. Uh, some might believe that. I don't think you can actually do it. But I remember reading the story about a, um, a monk who was put in a monastery, and he was given three years probation. And during that time, he could say nothing. For three years, he could say nothing. The only time he could say something, at the end of each year, he could say two words. Two words. So uh, after the end of the first year, he gathers together, and the, uh, the priest or the father who's over the monastery you know, says, what you, you know, what's the two words? He goes, bed hard. He doesn't say anything for, two more, for another year. At the end of his second year, he comes in and he says, food cold. At the end of the third year, he comes in. He's pretty much had it by now. He's pretty much worn out. And his two words, he goes, I quit. Well, the, the, the father, the, the priest in charge, he goes, well, that doesn't surprise me. All you've done is complain since you've been here. <laughs> the fact of the matter is, it's hard just to be quiet. Uh, so James would say, if you're going to talk, then make sure you control what you say. So my tongue directs where I go. Second, my tongue can destroy what I have. Look at verse 5. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. James wants us to imagine a beautiful forest full of tall, beautiful trees. But in an instant, a spark burns them to the ground. And a careless campfire, a careless spark can damage a whole forest. Just this past uh, couple of weeks, as my children moved up to Alaska, the pastor of the church where they, they serve was uh, evacuated from the home because of a fire, a forest fire. You know, they're having a heat stroke up there. I said it's because Abby and Jeremy moved there, and they brought the heat with them. But uh, uh, the campfires, it just sets the forest on fire. Just a small fire can do that. James says the tongue's like that. A careless camper can burn down a forest. A careless word can destroy an individual, can destroy what you have. Gossip is like that. Gossip spreads like a wildfire. I wonder how many people, because of a careless word, because they did not guard their tongue, have destroyed their marriage. Maybe they've, they've destroyed their career. Maybe they've damaged their reputation. Maybe they've damaged the reputation of another. Maybe they've damaged a friendship. Or maybe they've damaged a church. Words have power. Words have power. It only takes a spark to get a fire going. It only takes one word to start a fire. You ever met a verbal arsonist? Somebody that, that pops off and says things. They say inflammatory words. They say words burn people up. Remember the old slogan, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. They do hurt. They do hurt. Bad words. I think I'd rather have somebody beat me with a stick and a stone than say something bad. I can get over the bruises, but that bruised heart 
that bruised ego, that bruised mind, it keeps coming back. I've said this before. For every negative word you say to an individual, it takes three positive words to overcome it. For every negative action you do for an individual, it takes three positives to overcome that one negative. Our words, our words can provide warmth and light, just like a fire. It can provide warmth and light. So can our words. But when our words get out of control, when a fire gets out of control, it's devastating. It can destroy homes. It can destroy lives. It can destroy churches. And the truth is, we've got to live with the consequences. Look at verse 6. He says, the tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Circle the word, whole course. That's the key. It's the whole course. What, what he's saying with that, he says that, that your words create a chain reaction. You, know, you didn't mean to say something that would hurt somebody, but it winds up causing harm. I remember um, hearing the story one time of, of a lady who said a lie about a pastor. And within a, in a matter of a few hours, it was all over the village where this pastor served. And a little later, this woman got sick. And she began to think, well, maybe I got sick because I said something, something bad. Don't you wish it was that easy? Uh, got sick. And so she, she, she began to say, well, I, I told a lie. And what I said was not true. After she got well, she went back to the pastor. And she said, Pastor, I want to ask you to forgive me for what I said. And the pastor said, I willingly forgive you. But you have to do something for me. And she goes, I'll do anything. What is it? She goes, I want you to go home. And I want you to kill a chicken. And I want you to pluck all the feathers, put the feathers in a basket, and I want you to come back here. She said, okay, I'll do it. So she went and she killed the black hen, brought it back, gathered up you know, all the feathers in a basket. He said, now, I want you to go to every street corner in our little village. And when you get to the street corner, I want you to drop some of the feathers out of the basket. And then I want you to go to the top of the tower, and I want you to spread the remaining feathers I want you to throw in the wind. And then I want you to come back here. She said, okay. So she went to all the street corners, went to the top of the tower, and emptied out her basket of all the little black feathers. He said, now, I want you to go back to every street corner, and I want you to gather up every feather that you threw away. And make sure you get every one of them. She goes, that's impossible. That's impossible. Those feathers have now blown to the wind. And he said, exactly. He said, though I forgive you willingly, you can never undo the damage of what was done. You can never undo it. Think about that. Think about that for a moment. You can never undo the damage that was done. This is what James is trying to bring us to understand. He said it's a chain reaction. It spreads like a wildfire. Notice what else James says about it. This is hard stuff, folks. He says it sets the whole course of his life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. He's saying the tongue is set on fire by hell itself. He says your tongue, when you speak bad, it originates in hell. It originates from Satan. It originates from devil. Every gossip that we share, every slander that we share, every lie that we speak, all the spiteful words that we say, James says it comes from Satan. That's not coming from God. 
That's coming from Satan. Every divisiveness, every rumor, or even uncontrolled anger that comes out of our lips, James says that is coming from Satan. And listen, my friends, it will destroy your family, it will destroy your life, it will destroy your career, and it will destroy a church if we allow it to go on. It's like a fire, and it spreads rapidly. Look at what he says in verse 7. He uses uh, the analogy of a zoo. He says all kinds of animals uh, have been tamed by man, or being tamed and have been tamed by man. But no man can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. He says no man can tame the tongue. It's restless. It's uncontrollable. It's always liable to break out at any moment. He said, we can tame animals. We know that. We've seen them, you know, uh, before the circus closed down. We see them. They train tigers and lions and elephants and all these wonderful creatures. And we, tame, we go to zoos and they look so tame. But those animals that are tame, they could rip your head off. He says, it's the same way with the tongue. The tongue has the power to destroy you. It has the power to bring you down. He says it's like a deadly poison. The word used there is, for, is, is a snake venom. <laughs> he says it's one drop will kill you. Uh, it will take you out. So my tongue directs where I go. My tongue can destroy what I have. Third, my tongue displays who I am. James says the tongue reveals our real character. It says what's inside of me, who I am as an individual. And it says how inconsistent we are in our speech is what James talks about. Look at verse 9. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Listen, the greatest thing we can do with our tongue is praise God. That's the greatest thing we can do. Give Him honor, give Him worship, give Him praise. And we should do that. We should be praising God. But he says what we do is we praise God. Then what we do, we go outside after praising God and giving Him glory. We go outside and we argue and we complain and we gripe about where we're going to go eat. He says, how can we do that? How can we, we do that such thing? He says, how can you give the Creator of the world praise and then curse and slander someone who's made in the image of God? He said, it doesn't make any sense is what James is trying to say in this passage. He says how quickly our attitudes change from one of worship to one of cursing. From one minute we're praising the Lord, the next moment we're telling people to shut up. He says it does, it's inconsistent. He says sometimes our tongue makes us look like we're Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. One minute we're praising God, the next minute we're cursing. When he talks about cursing here, he's not talking about using abusive language. He's just talking about anytime you put somebody down, anytime you label somebody, anytime you say something derogatory toward an individual, you're cursing them. James says, why do we curse men? Why do we curse men who are created in the image of God? Why do we do that? He says it makes no sense. How can we be so loving to people that we love and then be so harsh to them the very next moment. James says it doesn't make any sense. Why can we genuinely say something in love and kindness one minute and then genuinely mean something in hate the next? I don't have an answer. Thankful God does. Look at what He says in verses 11 and 12. 
Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. James says, consider the source. Consider where it's coming from. Whatever's in the well comes out in the water. He said, whatever the tree is, it will produce that type of fruit. Here's a perfect question. Can an apple tree produce cherries? No, never. Even if it wanted to produce cherries, it can't do it. Why? Because it's an apple tree. It's incapable of doing it. You see, the problem is not with the tongue. The problem is what's in the heart. The problem is what's on the inside of us. Eventually, what we say betrays who we really are. You don't believe me? Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the overflow of our heart, the mouth speaks. So what's inside of us is eventually going to reveal itself by the way we speak. Not my words. It's the words of Jesus. It's the words of James. It's the word of the Holy Spirit speaking through them. So my words direct where I go. My words destroy what I have. And my words display what I am. It reveals my character. James tells this tongue thing is more serious than we'd like to think. He says because it actually reveals a heart problem. An individual who has a harsh tongue, he has an angry heart. The individual who has a negative tongue, he has a fearful heart. The individual who has the overactive tongue, he has an unsettled heart. The individual who has the boasting tongue, he has an insecure heart. The individual who has a filthy tongue has an impure heart. The individual who's critical all the time, he has a bitter heart. On the other hand, a person who's always encouraging, he has a happy heart. The person who's always gentle has a loving heart. And the person who's always truthful, he has an honest heart. So there's the problem. That's why we must watch what we say. I know what you're asking. Pastor, what do I do? <laughs> What's the solution? How do I fix this? Let me give you four things real fast. We'll go through them real quick. Write these down. The first one is ask God for help every day. Verse 8 says, no man can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. You hear that? No man, no woman can tame a tongue, but God can. What we need is a supernatural act from God. He needs to transform us so we can do that. David wrote in Psalm 141 verse 3, these words, Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. We need to memorize that verse. I mean, you need to write that on your, on your mirror. You need to put that on your sun visor in your car. You need to put that in a card and put it in your pocket. You need to put that on your, on, your, on your phone so you can look at it. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. We need help. We need somebody supernatural to help us. So we need to ask God for help every day. Second, think before you speak. This is hard for me. I'm going to tell you that. You know, my ADHD just goes 90 miles an hour, and you're, you're, you're talking, and I'm already over here on the conversation. Way over here. So I'm already ready to answer over here, and you're still here. And so I, I want to get my words out really quick. I guess that's why God made me a preacher, so I could talk and talk and talk. I hope that's not the reason he did it. Here's what you need to do. 
Before you speak, pause 10 seconds and mentally preview your words. Think about what you're going to say. Are your words accurate? Or are they exaggerated? Are your words kind? Are they cutting? Are your words necessary? Are they needless? Are your words building up someone? Or are they tearing someone down? Are your words grateful? Or are they complaining? Think before you speak. Third, talk less. Two ears, one mouth. Talk less. Very practical, isn't it? Talk less. Your chances of blowing it are much better if you just talk less. One scholar, one philosopher put it this way, I have often regretted my speech, but never my silence. All right, here's the last one. It's profound. You better write it down. Start today. Start today. It's never too late to start. Say, well, I'll start tomorrow. I've got some things I want to say today. No, start today. Start today. I remember reading uh, the words on a tombstone. I don't know where it was. Uh, probably on the internet. I probably saw it. You know, it's on the internet. You've got to believe it, right? Uh, this is what it said. Here lies Arabella Young, who on the 24th of May began to hold her tongue. I hope that's not you. I hope that's not what would be your epitaph when you pass away. Finally, this person shut up. What do we do? How do we respond to, to such a sermon? You're probably saying, yeah, so-and-so needs to apply it to their life. Yeah, they need to apply that. No, no, you need to apply it to your life. The minute you say so-and-so needs to apply it, you didn't hear anything I said. We all need to learn from this. We all need to learn how to control our mouth. In a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation. I don't know how, how to have you respond. Probably the best thing for you to do is just pray, God, help me to control my mouth. Because most of the time, my mouth controls me. Some of you might need to pray that prayer right where you're at. There may be others who say, man, I need a little extra help. I need somebody to come into my life and help me control this because I have a tendency. I have a tendency to let what I say reveal what's in my heart. And what I really want to reveal is I want to reveal Jesus. I want to glorify Him. I want to magnify Him in all I do and all I say. We can help you with that. Maybe you just want somebody to pray with you. I'm going to have the praise team come on up. They're going to lead us in a, in a closing song. Give us an opportunity to reflect upon what we've heard on what God has revealed to us today. I'm going to invite you to stand with me as I lead us in a time of prayer. However God is dealing with you, we want to give you the opportunity to respond as we pray. Father, we come before you this morning thanking you for this opportunity we have to gather here today. You know, God, it's not easy when we look at some of the words in the Bible that tells us that, Father, we have this problem with our tongue. It's little, it's tiny, but, Father, it is so powerful. But, God, we don't want it to control us God, we want to be in control of it. So God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would have dominion in our life. That Father, we would not be guilty of quenching the Holy Spirit, but allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives and to control what we say and the way we live our lives.
Father, if we have said something to someone that has hurt them, Father, we've said words of anger, words of frustration. God, I pray that you would forgive us and let us go and ask for forgiveness from those individuals. Lord, it's not enough to ask forgiveness from you. We need to go ask forgiveness from those people. Father, help us to be like that. Father, help us to not live controlled by our words that we say. Father, we give you this time this morning for you to touch our lives. God, we praise you. We've offered up worship to you. Father, we've offered up our offerings. Father, we've given our gifts. Father, we've read your word. We've heard your word expounded. Now, Father, I pray that your words will have power. That they will hit their target. And that, Father, today, you will speak to us during this time. Convict us, Father, of our sins. Challenge us, Father, to live a better life. Consecrate us, Father, to your service and to your glory. And we give you this time in Jesus' name. Amen.